Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get the episode started. I have something exciting to tell you about. We have launched the Fat Guy Forum Patreon. That's right. You can now become a monthly supporter of the show for just a few dollars, less than a cup of coffee a month. You can support keeping these amazing dude stories coming to you. And there's even a bonus at one of the tiers that I think is going to be very exciting. I have some great ideas to come to as we develop this, but I wanted to get it launched and in your hands. So if you enjoy what you hear on this show and you want to help me to keep it coming to you, please go over to that link in the show notes, and that is patreon.com slash keto. Thank you so much, my friends, and on to the show. Hey there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and this is my first official episode recording from the West Coast, so I am excited for y'all, especially with the guest we have today. He has an, an incredible story, and he lived on the West Coast himself and now is out on the East Coast, and I went from the East Coast to the West Coast, so we've got a little bit of that kind of universal balance going on. But today I have with me Yogi Parker. Yogi, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Gormy. How are you doing? I am good. I'm good. It's I I, I guess I'm recording in the past to you. Um, <laughs> you know, you're in the future. Uh, uh, in a little bit, I'll ask you about lottery numbers and all of that, but we'll, we'll, there we'll, you go. we'll spend some more time on your story, man. Let's get right to it. As always, first question of the episode, Yogi, tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, I, uh, I'm i still a chubby dude, and I'm working on it. But at one point, I weighed over 600 pounds, uh, actually at two points in my life. And I uh, the last time was I was, I, I was a truck driver, and I happened to be walking across a truck scale that the numbers lit up, and I heard somebody from behind me go, Damn! And I looked over and I saw 618 on the truck scale. And it was, it, you know, it still wasn't a thing. I had pretty much given up on weight loss and I actually didn't start a weight loss journey. I started a journey to fix my brain and I went to keto. And when I started eating whole real foods, cut out the sugar, the sodas, uh, Drinking carbohydrates especially seemed to, to make a huge difference. But when I cut out all those carbohydrates to fix my brain, the fat came off as a side effect. And now I've lost over 300 pounds. I'm down to, as last weigh-in, 284. And I'm still working on it. My, my goal is to get into hiking weight. Um, cause that's something that I really enjoy. And I want to, I want to attack the, the major trails like the Appalachia, the, the Pacific Crest trail, if it's not on fire and, um, the American discovery trail. But, um, I, I've struggled with weight majority of my older adolescent life. I, I graduated high school at about 600 pounds and I lost a lot of weight, I was very athletic, even even as a bigger guy. I was very athletic. I was doing things like powerlifting. I was uh, 
surfing. I was scuba diving. I would play rugby, football, but I could not keep my weight down. I, I would work out, kill myself in the gym to the point where I couldn't even walk the next day and still couldn't keep my weight down. And it wasn't until I went to keto uh, that I got a really good control over it now that I did not have. And not just a control on my weight, but a control on my appetite because that was just, I was hungry all the time before. Yeah. So let's, what, what's the best way to phrase this? So graduating high school at 600 pounds is not something that most, you know, most teenagers are doing. Like, right. what have you, you know, I'm sure you've given some thought to it. Like, what do you think brought you to that weight? Pizza. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I grew up eating a lot of country food and I grew up eating things like pizza, a lot of Italian food, a lot of pastas and a lot of things that people always told me that was healthy, like whole grains, they were a big part of my diet. Plus my, you know, my parents, they're smaller people than me. They're shorter and they've never really had weight issues. My mom was like 90 pounds until she was in her forties. And so they did not understand. And to this day, I, I still think they don't really understand that in order for me to not be that big, I cannot eat the same way as everybody else. So when you're growing up and you're a kid, you're eating what the family serves. And it worked fine for them. They were able to maintain their weight. But for me, it blew me up. And the other thing, too, is the food that we were eating did not satiate me, did not make me feel satisfied. And I would get, I would be thinking about my next meal while I was eating my meal and I would go to all you could eat places when I was a kid and literally get banned from the place. We had an, we had a place that did a pizza eating contest for like, you'd get your order for free and, and a, uh, um, coupon for another free pizza and a free dessert. If you finish this giant New York pizza, that was like the size of three of the restaurant tables put together. I mean, each slice was probably a good three feet long. And I used to go, I had accumulated so many free pizza coupons. The guy's like, you're, you're banned. You're not, you're not doing this anymore. So I, you know, I always had this massive appetite and something in my diet was not answering my body's needs. And that really because I was constantly seeking whatever nutrient deficiency I was, I was seeking to fill caused me to keep eating and keep eating until I exploded. And then of course, you know, we've all had stressful situations. We've all had issues and I'm sure emotional eating played a role in that as, as well. Uh, Coming up as a kid, that was um, I think part of my initial, uh, emotional eating thing was, was when I wasn't very big, I was actually the smallest kid in my class. At one point I was bullied quite a bit. And you know, that when you're a bullied kid, you have a, uh, negative outlook on yourself. Uh, and 
that negative outlook, I think, carried over to eating a lot of comfort foods. And then, of course, that results is you don't look great anymore. And then you, you develop even a larger negative outlook and you just keep keep the cycle going because that food becomes a drug. And, and that actually was, kind of plays into one of the, the questions I was going to have. Like, what was it like for you socially being that large going through school? Well, I was I was an athlete through uh, majority of my high school years, so that played in my favor. When I was when I was in um, middle school and elementary school, I was a social outcast for a variety of reasons. Um, my parents put me in a private Catholic school, and I was not Catholic, and I came I was not the wealthy you know kid like everybody else was. Um, I was not the straight up, straight up white kid uh, of the time because I had some different ancestry to me that put me ostracized. And most of my uh, classmates were like family friends with Tom Metzger, who was the West Coast KKK guy. And so I had I had a pretty miserable time coming up through uh, most of my California elementary and middle school. But when I got to high school, I became like for a while one of the star linemen for for our football team and then I got out of football because I had a psychotic coach uh, who wanted me to take steroids and break another kid's knee and I got into football or I got into um, powerlifting and broke the school record a couple of times and just like I was started to become known as the big strong guy and yeah I was the big fat guy too but it was like a different kind of fat I don't know if that relates to anybody but I also carried my weight a lot better than most people like most people would were very shocked to find out my my weight when I would tell them because I I'm taller I'm about six foot six and I, the way my chest is built and my, my upper body was built. And at the time when I was working out, my legs were built, it, it kind of distributed my weight to a point where I did not look the normal 600 pounds. Right. So, I mean, like let's most, most people, I mean, I, I, I've mentioned this to guys on the show before that have been that heavy. Like most people think of 600 pounds and immediately think of my 600 pound life. You know, like that's yeah. a, they think of people on that show, you know, in bed, you know, not go, not moving around. They don't think of someone who's, you know, powerlifting or playing sports, you know, being that size. Yeah. And I was, you know, for most of my life, I, I was very athletic, even into uh, even into my adulthood. The, the only thing that took away my my athletic uh, pursuits for a while was a car accident. And that took me out to the point where I could barely walk for over a year. And that's actually what skyrocketed my weight back up to the 600 pound. It's what got me into trucking. Trucking was something I could physically handle as a job. And I didn't have to put a lot of stress on my back. And then I was sitting all day and it's one of the most unhealthy occupations you could get into as far as food availability goes and as far as uh, sitting all day. And because I was in pain, the sitting all day was what I wanted to do because anything getting up, moving around hurt. And it the sitting 
in a way it hurt me and it helped me. It allowed my body to kind of heal to a point where I wasn't as much in pain, but it also, that immobility weakened a lot of my muscles. It, uh, it lowered my metabolism. It lowered my energy levels and the, uh, you know, just getting truck stop fare and, and whatever available food and still eating like I was when I was still, doing athletics did not help me when I was more sedentary. So uh, the weight skyrocketed again. Right. And we're, you know, it, it, you talk about it kind of being a, a career that, you know, enabled that behavior, but also, you know, a lot, you know, it wasn't the physical, physical demanding, you know, like you were able to sit and kind of have that, you know, kind of all those pieces kind of coming together, this perfect storm that affected your weight. Like, were there challenges to, to be, you know, just living in that world? I mean, you know, when we hear about people like working in truck driving, you know, it's like a completely different life than what most of us are living in terms of like constantly on the go moving, you know, like you're sitting, but you're, you're, you're traveling and then you're at truck stops and kind of like, where are you sleeping and all of those things? Like, were there challenges presented by your size or was it just, was that just the life that you were living? Um, you know, I didn't perceive the challenges initially right off. The more of the challenges was the lifestyle itself. And it was challenges that everybody would have. You don't have a decent sleeping pattern. You don't have any sleeping pattern. You could be driving one day during the day. And then a couple days later, you're driving overnights or you're driving I would go to a shipper and they would throw my entire schedule off because they would take so long to load me or the same thing with a receiver and it would throw me off or dispatch would mess with my times. You know, it's it, so the sleep aspect was probably one of the biggest health hits that you can have, like not having a, a constant sleep pattern. I was constantly in different time zones. Um, the other factor is I ran a reefer trailer. So I constantly had a reefer unit on a refrigerated unit on that's a diesel powered refrigerator unit. So I had that humming and that vibration going through the truck. And we're coming to find out that vibrations can cause damage to your uh, internal organs can disrupt sleep. I was constantly exposed to toxic chemicals around me, whether it was diesel fumes, gas generators around me, whether it was chemicals around the areas that I was picking up, uh, uh, just around the pump station. So there's, there's a ton of things dealing with the, um, all the chemicals you got to put inside the rig to keep it going. And then food access was another one. Most of the time you're on a tight schedule. So if you don't develop tricks to cooking, you're going to be stuck eating whatever truck stop fare is, is around. And it's the cheapest, most nutrient deficient food you can find. And it's a lot of times carb laden. And because in the, as with most of the world, you know, truckers are you know, fuel themselves with carbs, but I think the truckers do it times 10. Um, they're constantly drinking the sugary energy drinks and you'll see guys, they're getting ready to get their coffee going and they're pouring half the container of sugar into their coffee. Uh, they're, 
Mountain Dew is is like probably one of the most popular sodas in the trucking world. Plus, guys smoke like crazy. Plus, you know, it's 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 just a very unhealthy lifestyle all the way around. And then when you go into the truck stop, you're you're bombarded with like Cinnabon, um, Krispy Kremes, the Little Debbies, and that you'll see guys stocking up for the road. And they're that's what they're buying. Is they're buying big cases of Little Debbies. They're buying you know, pancake mix, if they're going to cook in their truck or they're buying the, uh, top ramen instant noodles or the canned soups because they're quick and easy. So the diet, when you look at the truck stop and you just walk the aisles, there's most of the truck stops don't carry very many things that would fit in the healthy world. Yes. You can find the hard boiled eggs and some meat snacks and things like that. But even a lot of those, most of it you'll find is just laden with sugar. Things are getting better. Like you'll find Epic now. Tillamook does a zero sugar uh, jerky now. And you'll find like uh, those uh, Italian meats wrapped around the cheese things. But it's still limited. And so, you know, people get tired of eating that same thing over and over so they're going to go to the Carl's Jr. And there's no, there's very few of the old truck stock di- diners around anymore. It's most of the truck stops mainly have fast food. So there's a few that have some chain diners, which you can get something a little bit different. But also guys are want to get in, get out quick. And so they go to the fast food place because in their view, it's cheap, quick, and they're out the door and they got handheld food that they can eat while they're driving. And that for you, because you know, I, I, you you have developed, you know, for people that know you, I'm, I'm sure there are some people that are listening that, that are aware, you know, with your, your presence. And we're going to get more into like a lot of what you're doing now eventually. But you kind of took a different tact when it came to kind of food on the road eventually. Like, was that something that you had changed because of the health changes you were making or was your love of cooking? Did that, that start before that? My love of cooking started long before that. I always loved putting stuff together. I would have dinner parties for my friends, but I learned how to cook camping. And so I was, whenever we went out on a surf trip and we were camping, especially if we were car camping, where we had a little bit more supplies available to set up a nice base camp, I was always the camp chef. And I mean, I would get, we would get pretty creative. Like I I made a pizza oven out of aluminum foil and and wire and sticks that we just set over the, the coals and we had a pizza oven. Um we would do things like that. Like half the time our campsites was probably one of the best smelling campsites (laughs) around unless somebody showed up with an RV, you know, then they might top what I was doing, but I I've always loved cooking. And I think that, that learning how to cook and, and uh, that love of cooking came into play because my family didn't really like to cook and I like to try new things. So it was kind of fending for yourself. My, my mom, she can cook a few things pretty well, but she doesn't really know what she's doing in the kitchen. A lot of stuff, she just kind of wings. And she had a reputation for burning the crap out of half the things that she cooked to the point where we would go to the, my, my 
brother and I would go to the Chinese place down the way. And almost every time we walked in, the lady that ran the the Chinese buffet would be like, oh, Lamar Yogi, your mama burned food again. Oh, so sorry. You come here. Jenny, take care of you. Like she knew <laughs> when we showed up, especially if we showed up late. And uh, so I learned how to cook and I, I mainly learned how to cook camping. And I, I was able to translate that camping style to the truck. And it actually was even easier to cook in the truck for me because I wasn't using little tiny single burner camp stoves. I, I was able to use like crock pots and, and uh, electric skillets and uh, my favorite, the Ninja Foodie or George Foreman grill. So I was able to make things that uh, there and there's there's I'm not the only one. There's several other truckers out there that do some pretty incredible food in their truck. But for some reason, I kind of got some attention for it, I guess, be, between the story of weight loss and the fact that I started posting pictures and then recipes um, about what I was doing on the truck and making things like uh, seafood scampi or uh, doing something in the, the little trucker's lunchbox oven that, and I would actually take a little time to plate it up and snap a, a picture and, and, you know, plate it as nice as I could inside a truck on a paper plate. But um, I kind of, started developing a, a reputation and I ended up uh, attracting the t attention of the Carrie Brown, who I, I actually have the opportunity to work with. And she's spent a lot of time encouraging me to put out the recipes and guiding me to, to write them better and, and make, cause I, I, I was a type of cook and I still kind of am where I just throw stuff together and make it work. And I don't think about recipes. I might get an idea from looking at a, a, a recipe book, but often because of my limitations, couldn't do what they did in the book. So I would just try to translate it to what I was capable of doing. So I, I'm now trying to retrain to actually do things with precision and write down recipes and not just wing it like I always did. That's all. I, I think that per, that progression is 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 kind of awesome. Like that you were able to kind of translate and then build on uh, and and kind of take that to the place that you have now, which is really really fantastic. And let's because you one of the things you you talked about earlier was basically. You know, it wasn't that you saw that that 618 on the scale, you know, fainted and and woke up and said, you know, my weight has to change today. You know, you you made your your changes for different reasons. Um, had you like I because I want to talk about those reasons, but what I'm also curious about curious about is so had you basically kind of come to that place where you were like, this is this is the size my body's going to be. You know, you've you've gone through these other you know attempts to change it. It's not working. This is where that's gonna. This is where this is gonna hang out. You know, I just have to kind of live life the way it is. And yeah, I was the big guy. Yeah, I was the big. Guy. And and that's it was my identity. I was the big guy. Um, you know, everywhere I went, it hey, it's Big Yogi. You know, it, it's and I got to a point where I just stopped caring. 
I just didn't care about that anymore. I, I'm in the truck. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not out for show. I'm hurt. I'm like, I was too hurt to care about my weight. Like I, I, I was just every day I woke up and I was, I would be in so much pain that I would have to literally like, I couldn't lift myself out of bed without grabbing onto something and, and pulling myself up. And then I would have to take like 10, 15 minutes to crack everything and, you know, kind of move things around to get things moving. And, and I'd limp my way out of the truck to, to go walk to the bathroom or whatever I needed to do. But I mean, I was, that car accident left me in some pretty severe pain for several years. So I was more concerned about the pain than I was about my weight. Like I, I just didn't care anymore about the weight. And then the thing that scared me though, is I started researching CTE um, because several athletes that I had respected and known and one that was even a sort of mentor to me were being diagnosed with it after they died and they were committing suicide. And I started learning about what CTE was and how you have the memory deficits, the, the lack of emotional control, the, the up and down rage and depression and uh, things that a lot of people would actually associate with steroidal use, which I never used uh, as far as personality shifts go. And I also at one point felt I would wake up and I would feel like my brain was underwater. Like I, like I felt like I was scuba diving and, but I felt like the water was in my brain. It, it's hard to explain, but I, I, and I, I couldn't hold a thought together. I, my short-term memory was shot and I started reading about, uh, Alzheimer's PTSD, uh, degenerative brain disease and CTE. And I'm like, you know, I can't get diagnosed with CTE unless I die and they buy up some my they autopsy me my brain. Can, can you but, can you share what CTE is? Because I know you've said that a couple of times. I just want because yeah. there might be someone listening who doesn't know what that acronym stands for. Yeah, CTE is is caused by by concussions, and it's a traumatic brain injury thing that that it's a concussion syndrome. And I'm trying to remember what the acronym actually stands for, and I keep forgetting it. But um, they have access to the Googles. They can do that. But yeah, I, I just wanted, yeah, so I wanted to make sure they knew kind of like where it was headed. Right. So the um, it's a concussion based syndrome and it can be caused from one concussion or several concussions. It could be caused from a big concussion. It can be caused from small concussions. And there still isn't very clear data on why some people get it and some people don't. But it's the big Will Smith was in a, a movie that was all about the doctor that was trying to bring this to the attention of the NFL and was being attacked by the NFL over CTE. CTE is the reason why they don't do chair shots in WWE anymore to the head. The And the reason why the hardcore matches in WWE kind of went away. It's because of people like Chris Benoit. Um, my mentor was Junior Seau. He committed suicide, and they're associating that with CTE. I was seeing a lot of athletes. And then the other people that are also prone to CTE are people that come from domestic violence situations. 
but they don't get the notoriety on it, but they, they're, they're, they're definitely prone to it. The, so I had through football, through working security as a part-time side gig through my life. And also I had a stint doing pro wrestling where I got hit in the head a lot. And that's what got me concerned about it. And I was listening to a truckers radio show that does, it's called let's truck with Kevin Rutherford. And they do a section called destination health, where they try to help truckers with their, their health issues. And Kevin started talking about a doctor, Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, who was doing research on PTSD and brain health with the military. And it started, it basically opened a rabbit hole of research for me. And I looked into things and I saw that eating this high, really extremely high fat diet of healthy fats and eliminating things like industrial fats had a massive impact in brain health and brain healing for several conditions. Uh, it was primarily used for epilepsy, but they were seeing results on brain tumors. They were seeing results on traumatic brain injuries, and they were also using exogenous ketones as well to uh, treat traumatic brain injury in mice and they were relating it to in the military field if you get a, a traumatic brain injury on the field if you give somebody like a tube of exogenous ketones you might prevent uh long-term damage and i started doing more research and it was mainly into alzheimer's and dementia but i saw a lot of uh carryover between what cte was presenting with the emotional uh, 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 roller coasters that you might experience, the um, memory loss, the uh, there's times where you just feel really disoriented, and I, I felt that way. And they were also showing that uh, carbohydrates, specifically sugar and wheat, were having a uh, deterious effect in the brain health and they were associating the Alzheimer's with type three diabetes and that they were showing that the higher fats specifically uh, MCTs were actually having a positive effect on the outcome of brain health. So I, I decided to make a change and I actually had, I couldn't jump straight into keto. I tried and I, the keto flu was miserable, but um, I, I also was having issues digesting the fats. And if you try to jump in right into a high fat diet, your body can't um, digest the fats properly. It makes a bad day trucking because you have to find a bathroom all over the place. So um, I had to fix my digestion first. And I did that by going to more of a paleo kind of uh, approach and I incorporated things like fermented foods, apple cider vinegar to raise my stomach acids, things to loosen bile flow because I had been on a low, I was actually 600 pounds on a low fat diet while I was on the road. I was trying to find all the low fat. So it wasn't the fat that was making me fat. So it, I, um, 
I had to transition and get my body used to digesting the fats again. And the other thing, some of the other things that I would incorporate is like beets because beets loosen bile flow and allow your body to, to digest the fats better. And I would also target uh, fermented beets. There's a drink called beet kvass. And I used to get it every time I went to Oregon from Oregon Brine Works. And it's a fermented beet drink that's popular in Eastern European countries as well as Russia. And it's, it's got the gut microbiome stuff in there, the gut bugs, and it's got beets, which will help loosen that bile. And, and then beets are also, they are high carb, but they, there's a lot of nutrient um, benefits to eating beets uh, if you can get around the carbs. And fermenting the beets lowered the carbs. So... I would eat the beets. I would do the apple cider vinegar tonics like four or five times a day. I would eat, I started slowly increasing the fat content and, and getting things like avocado oil, avocados, coconut oil, MCT oil. And I gradually increased the fats and allowed my stomach and my digestion system to handle it. And then I transitioned into keto. And that mi- that mindfulness that you developed, you know, kind of going into it, I, I think is fantastic for people to hear because I, I think you're right. I, I think sometimes people, especially when they want to try keto, try something like keto or a dietary change, you know, that can be extreme to the way they've been eating, they want to go all or nothing, you know, zero to a hundred the first day, and then immediately label something as not working, you know, like oh this this. This is clearly, you know, I got the runs. This doesn't like it's when I mean, I, I equate it and I'm sure you've run into this is when people overdo MCT oil for the first time in a coffee, you know, because, you know, they look and they see a recipe on someone's website where it's like add two tablespoons, you know, add a tablespoon and a half of MCT oil and a tablespoon of butter and, you know, four drops of this and five drops of that. And next thing you know, they're like four, you know, four days later, they wake up on the floor of the bathroom wondering like what's what's been happening to them. Um, it's a different type of weight loss program there. Oh yeah, like that's 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 giving you that's a complete like. Th- then they immediately think so. Is keto just about shedding your brains out? Like, is that really what this is? Yeah, about? Um, right. You know, it's it's the thing is, I had in a way a another mentor in this, and I was very uh, very lucky that I paid attention to what they were talking about. And the, the folks at let's truck with Kevin Rutherford, Michael Rutherford, they're nutritional therapy practitioners. So they, they, they deal with holistic nutrition, not just keto. They use keto as a tool, but a lot of this stuff that I was introduced to is because I listened to these people. And so I, I listened and I started seeing results, which made me listen harder, so to speak. Oh. And, and I'm, I'm curious, like, I, I want to know, like, so the results you were seeing, was it helping with the, the possible, you know, the, 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 the symptoms of the CTE that you were seeing? Like, was that relief yes. that came for you? That was actually the first relief I got. And it, I noticed that the first thing that actually happened is my energy levels came up and I started developing a mental clarity that I was lacking from for quite a while. I I was able to focus on things and retain information that I wasn't able to previously do. I was remembering things. My brain was working better. I could put on an audio book and remember the things that I, I heard. 
while I was driving. And so that was the first thing. And then within like a few weeks, my brain didn't feel like it was underwater. The other thing that was happening was I constantly needed to pull over and take naps. There was days where I wouldn't eat. I would actually go in the back and take a nap because I'd, I'd be crashing halfway through the day. And I would have to sleep for an hour and get back up and then drive. Once I started transitioning to whole real foods and cutting out the simple carbohydrates, that started to reduce. And then it completely went away when I went keto. And the only time I had to pull over and take naps is if I had disrupted sleep. Then I understood where that came from because something woke me up. You know, somebody tried to break into my truck while I was sleeping into it, or there was a couple having a fight and I didn't sleep well. And I understood that I needed to pull over and take a nap. It wasn't just because I slept eight hours and I'm still dang tired, which is my, what I was previously dealing with. So those were the first results that I saw. And I wasn't paying attention to my body size. And one day I, I, I was having so much energy that I started walking like a mile or two to get to the store to buy food, carrying my camping backpack. And I would load water and food into my camping backpack and walk back. And that was my shopping cart. So I have a, I have a 90 liter, uh, Kelty backpack that went with me all over Hawaii. And I started noticing one, the backpack started fitting better. And one day I was loading stuff into my truck and started trying to climb up and my pants fell down and I mooned the lady across from me. And I was like, huh, these were tight not too long ago. And I realized I went in and stepped on a trucker scale for like the first time in two years and, and realized that I was now down to around 500 pounds. And I was like, that was 118 pounds that just went away. And I, cause I hadn't, I hadn't weighed myself other than walking across that trucker scale. It'd probably been six months before I I'd stepped on a scale and I lost like over a hundred pounds in less than a year. And I wasn't really working out any differently. Yeah, I was doing long walks, but I would do that before, you know, it, but it was less painful. The other thing that sold me on it too is I, I would have very bad shoulder pains, very bad neck pains uh, for damaging my vertebrae and tearing my labrum, deltoid and pectoral in the car accident those started to subside. I would wake up in the morning and I wasn't feeling as messed up as I was previously. As far as the pain, I wasn't cracking and popping as I was getting out of bed. I could lift myself up without having to brace on everything, drag my leg out, drag everything out. These were the first things that I was noticing. And, and like I saw the weight loss and I honestly thought going keto, I wasn't going to lose weight. I did not believe I was going to lose weight at all. I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. Everything that I have been taught in nutrition is you, you don't eat fat in order to lose weight. And now I'm eating a lot of fat. So I was like, you know, this is bubkiss. I always thought the Atkins thing was a load of, of hogwash, but I was proven wrong. So it, it opened my eyes and 
and caused me to have a more open mind about learning about different uh, avenues. And and for a brief moment, I was real hardcore keto, like keto is the only way to go. But I started realizing that just because keto works for me, it may not work as well for other people to reach their goals as well. So I started keeping my mind open about other avenues to use, whether that was carnivore, whether it was uh, for some people going vegetarian to clean things out for a while, they may have a negative reaction to certain animal products. I mean, there's a tick that can make you allergic to red meat. You know, and, and red meat is healing, it, it is nutritious, it is this, but if you're allergic to it, it's now toxic to you. So you cannot you, you cannot do it. So I, I had to to learn about biodiversity and learn about my own developing biodiversity because as I would do one program, it I would not see the same effects after a while and I would have to adjust things as I went down. So I think the biggest thing for me was constantly learning, constantly reading new things and putting input into my brain that I was able to retain and figuring out what to adapt for myself by just trial and error to see what worked. And I think that is something that, you know, has been one of the biggest lessons I've taken away from even not only my own journey, but from doing this show is that the the guys that I talk to that are seeing the most kind of sustainable, livable success are the ones that are in that place you're talking about, you know, where they're willing to try new things, see what works for themselves, keep learning, experiment, you know, and also, you know, not just because I, I think there's a propensity of, of people out there. They want us to, they want to be handled, handed a cookie cutter program that's going to solve all their problems, you know, fix the same things for everyone. And I think at the end of the day, what we realized is that the answers aren't the same for every person. And you have to be okay with your answers being different than the answers that the person next to you, you know, needs. And when you get to that place, it's almost like it becomes easier for you to keep move yourself forward because you're not constantly in that place of saying, well, am I doing the same thing that this person is doing? And am I following the rule that this person had? And, you know, I changed that rule for myself because it worked better when I did it this way. But should I, do I have permission to change the rules? Like, do I have, you know, when you give yourself that permission to be empowered to make the choices for yourself, it's, it's a completely different situation. Right. You know, and there's so many factors that, that can actually affect weight gain too, that you may not understand. Uh, there's a great book called, uh, the, was it, um, not the big fat surprise. That's by Nina Teichel, the secret life of fat by, uh, Tara, Tara Silva. And it talks quite a bit about different mechanisms that cause people to have, uh, fat storage malfunction, whether it's, it's losing too much weight as some people do, they just cannot put on weight. Whereas other people, they can walk by a donut and gain 10 pounds. Oh, you yeah. know, like, so I know that well, there are so many, yeah, there's so many different factors that come into play. So you got to understand that you have to address things in that manner. In my opinion, there's definitely a wrong way to do things that is it's wrong for all of us. It's it's wrong to not get quality sleep. It is like none of us benefit from empty sugar calories or the combination of fat and sugar together in like cake icings and things like that. None of us benefit from that. 
It's just a fact. Pure, uh, uh, purified fructose or sucralose with no nutritional value may give you a quick little energy boost and, and hit some, an epinephrine response like a drug does, but you're also having the side effects like a drug does. And so these things are definitely wrong, but whether whether or not your path is keto, carnivore, vegetarian, um, people claim they do very well on vegan. And I'm not going to, if they're getting results, clinical results that is showing that they're doing well on this program that they're doing, I'm not going to argue with them. And there's people that function very well in calorie deficits. I do not. <laughs> I, you know, not until lately where I've been able to start fasting and I can do it comfortably now because my body is adapted to accessing those fat stores. And I think that's, that happens with a lot of vegans too, that they, they end up being uh, calorie deficit because many vegans will also cut out fat. And so they start accessing their own fat stores. So they feel great for a while. And they may actually be getting some benefits from if they're eating a proper, you know, and they're not just eating Oreos because Oreos are vegan, uh, but they're actually eating whole real foods. They may be getting some benefits too from things like uh, cilantro and other herbs chelating toxic heavy metals out of their system that could interrupt thyroid production and metabolism and things like that. Do I think it's a great long-term diet? Mm, probably not. You know, um, any diet that you have to supplement because the, the nutrition is not available in the food to me is, is something that I have to suspect and, and, Put, the fact that there has never been a culture that existed on a vegan only diet that has, they've incorporated some sort of animal products. Um, there's never been a long-term culture that's, that was vegan. I, I just don't see us adapted to it, but I do think that maybe there's some people out there that do better on a higher vegetable diet. There's some people out there that do a better on a higher meat product diet. And there's, there's people, many of us are somewhere in between. Mm. No, I think you're, I, I think you're right. I, I think that perspective is, is great, man. And obviously, you know, you've, you've got this wealth of knowledge and you, you've actually started, you know, kind of doing things like with the, you, you saw these great results. You went into this place of, of doing this research for yourself and making these changes, you know, to, in many ways to save your life. Like, you're not on the road anymore. So what what I kind of want to give us some time to talk about is like, so how has this evolved for you, you know, from the diet that you're doing for yourself to what it's become for you now? So I, I've, I had an interest in studying for, and I still have an interest in this. I haven't had a chance because everything, I thought things would calm down once I got off the road and that not necessarily was the case. Um, but I have had a plan to go to the nutritional therapy practitioner program. It's still something I really want to do as well as to study for the primal health coach program. But I, I met Carrie Brown and 
she and I kind of personality wise hit it off quite a bit. We, we, I happened to be delivering to Connecticut one day. She, I was a Patreon supporter for the group. I'd been following her since she was on uh, some other podcasts. I had bought her cookbook some of her cookbooks that I could use on the truck like some of them I knew I couldn't use on the truck so I didn't buy those but I'd like the crock pot cookbook to give me some ideas to do on the truck I, I bought and it's fantastic if you're if you want some like really easy recipes the keto crock pot book that she has is phenomenal that the, there's a lot of great easy dump and go recipes in there that I was able to adapt um so I, I delivered to Connecticut and she, you know, we were talking on, uh, on Facebook and she's like, well, I'm going to come out and visit you. And we just, from there, we started talking, we over Facebook and Facebook messenger that, that led to text messages that led to phone calls that, um, and then they, she invited me to be on the Two Keto Dudes podcast, which was the first podcast that I was ever to come on. And eventually it led to the fact that now I live at Casa de Cary in Nutmegerville and we develop keto recipes to put on the blog for other projects where... Carrie is running master classes for cooking that uh, eventually I'm going to develop enough backlog of recipes that I'll be able to do something like that. We're developing other programs that, to help people with their health. We've got a podcast now called the, Va the Fatty Joe Show because I didn't want to call it the Bulletproof Coffee Show. Uh <laughs> So I always called the uh, I always called my coffees the Fatty Joes. And uh, we we have a YouTube channel where we we do cooking demos, we do keto 101s, we talk about we post the Fatty Joe show as a video on YouTube as well. We have a product we we decided to go through. We found so many products that were labeled keto that weren't really keto. We decided to start doing product reviews. And we kind of stalled on that because we do like a day of product reviews and then end up sick for the next two days. <laughs> so, so we, we kind of stalled on that. So we do like we do cheese of the weeks. We do a number of things. on, And that's the um, that is the Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker YouTube channel that we do. And we also, um, apparently a lot of our lives are now on social media. So we're doing the, the keto kitchen with Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker Facebook group. We're in all the time. We have two Patreon face groups, Facebook groups that we, we do for Patreon supporters. We, um, we have the blog carriebrown.com. And, uh, so we, we are definitely uh been very busy on that whole facey space realm and i'm trying to learn how to do instagram and all that kind of stuff which has all been alien to me so i'm i'm like learning technology as i go um i came from a family that where my dad was rewinding dvds for a long time so technology was not our forte and uh, you know so 
um, I'm having to learn all that over and learn how to type because I suck at that. Um, but yeah, so we're here. And, and the other thing too, is I've, since I've been off the truck, I may have been able to start getting more physically active and that's helped a lot since I, when I got to Carrie's, I was probably about 360 pounds I'm estimating. And there's a picture of me making bone broth in Carrie's kitchen. And I, I, you know, my man boobs are sticking through my shirt and, and my belly's way out there. And within, uh, about six months being at Carrie's, I've now dropped down to 284 and I'm, I am eating cleaner now that I'm at Carrie's because I, I'm not stopping at, I haven't had fast food and I don't know how long, but the other factors that are coming into play are the fact that I sleep fairly normal hours. And, and that seemed to be the biggest trigger trigger to break a stall. Cause I had stalled out around, I was bouncing between 360 and 330 for quite a while. And I kind of stalled in that area and now I'm, I'm 284. It's, I think sleep played a huge role in that. Now that I don't have the stress of being on the truck, I, I've actually been able to complete multi-day fastings. And I've developed a routine to get me in and out of fasting more comfortably. And I'm able to, to do it without the headaches and nausea feelings that I had before or the stress desire uh, to eat because I'm stressed out and my body wants that comfort factor in there. So I've, I've kind of, uh, I've tapped into keto chow and I, I make homemade bone broths and things here. And I, I will up my nutrition count using either a flavored keto chow or the base mix combined with food to up the B vitamins and things for a while. I will up the fat and the protein for a while and then start titrating down to the point, and that's simply to control my appetite. Um, so having the liquid diet in there will fill my stomach up to make me satiated, but I'm getting used to not having food. It's a little bit of a psychological factor. And then I can go for like my last fast was four days. And I went for four days and I actually probably could have gone longer, but I started getting a little bit of a headache and not feeling right and not being under medical supervision. I was like, I'm going to not push this and I'm going to come back to food. And I'll, I'll, in order to get my digestion kind of working again, I start off with the liquid. I'll usually have some bone broth, then some keto chow. Um, oftentimes I take the base mix of the keto chow or like the beef flavor and mix it in with the bone broth. and I then cycle into like softer whole foods like eggs and things and then into some meat. And then I start cycling back into a fasting program. And it's, it's something I wasn't able to do before. And now I figured out a way that that works for me. I can't just, I found that I can't just go from food to no food back to food. It, my body gets all freaked out. Um, but doing this method, this cycle actually helps me do that for a while. And it helped me break a stall because I was, I, I had dropped initially about 60 pounds and I stalled out around 300. I was bouncing between 300, 310. 
And when I started doing the cycling program, I dropped down to 284. And I'm kind of, uh, my body's trying to reach, uh, trying to balance and get a new homeostasis at this point. And it's, it's kind of shocked that I dropped that much and I can feel it. The other thing too, is as I drop weight, I, I, we store toxins in our fat cells and I will find myself when I drop, you know, 10, 15 pounds, my skin breaks out. And I think I have over years of trucking and, and crap food. I've, I've got a lot of toxins in my system that also, uh, create stalls, but my body is in the process. When I drop the weight, my body will then go into a process of trying to detox. So then one of the things I started incorporating is things like spirulina and chlorella to help and, and herbs like, um, um, parsley and cilantro and things like that to help get rid of some of that stuff. So like, coming off my fast, I may stay on the liquid diet for a while and start mixing some spirulina with water and downing that and also incorporating things like apple cider vinegar and things again in, in apple cider vinegar tonics. Which I, I think what I think is really exemplary in what you're, everything you're sharing, because I think there's, there's some of what you're talking about that some people listening are going to be like, me eat chicken and rice and not understand. And then there's going to be some people that kind of hardcore geek out on, you know, toxin detox and things along those lines. Like I think the, the, the lesson there is that you're, you're willing to look at all the different factors that come into play and not have it and realize that it's not always just about exactly, you know, I'm eating the, the, this X number of calories, X number of grams of fat. Like there's so many other pieces that come in to, to play, especially I think when you're, you're, on a, a weight loss journey that's like yours, you know, or like many of the other people I've spoken to where it's, you're, you're on this journey that's long and, and goes on for a while and the body adapts at different places and different things happen and different plateaus happen and you find stalls and different factors need to be tweaked. Like one of the things I wanted to go, well, first let me say you shared a lot about what you are working on with Carrie specifically. And uh, that all is amazing content they're putting out people. So uh, we're going to make sure, I'm going to have Yogi make sure that we have links to everything to put in the show notes for this episode so that you can find all of that, um, that encyclopedia. You know, like there's, there's a lot going on there. You guys are clearly, I think prolific is is um, is an overused term in some circles. And right there, you know, that's definitely a prolific amount of content that you guys are creating that I think is really helpful for a lot of people. But yeah, no, but I, I think on your side, like this, you, you talked about sleep and, and stress. And those are two things that like, no matter what kind of diet plan you're following or what way of eating you're following, pe I don't think people pay enough attention. Like we are in this culture where we've gotten to a point that people celebrate, I function on three hours of sleep. I function on yeah. four hours of sleep. And it's like, no, you literally don't. It's like, it's, it's, it's become like a bragging right. thing. Like it's, it's, yeah. And people can survive. 30 days without food. You can survive 30 days without food. You right. can survive three or four days without water, be dehydrated. One night of bad sleep disrupts your hormonal insulin function. Oh, completely. Three days, like, like three days of no sleep 
can kill you. Right. Like it's it, it, like people can survive longer without water. Like people have been known to survive. It just depends on the temperature. People can survive up to a week without water. And and that's the thing. And the thing I wanted to, to break it down for the people listening, because, you know, most of the people listening to this show are on journeys of their own and are maybe seeing stalls and things along those lines. And I, I want y'all to forget about like talking about, you know, what could happen with three days without sleep or even the words hormonal dysfunction, like understanding what that means. Like realize that if you are not getting solid, consistent sleep, you know, you're not getting actual good sleep in a good amount of sleep, you know, and what most adults don't want to hear is that even as adults, you know, seven hours plus of sleep is, is probably the sweet spot for most people, you know, above that, you're going to see your weight, you know, stall or go up. Like that's one of the things that I learned when I, especially when I was coming towards kind of the end of the weight loss portion of my journey, I had two nights a week where I worked a job that kept me up till one, two o'clock in the morning. And I was still trying to get up the next morning at like four o'clock to go to the gym. So, you know, I was taking two days a week where I was getting three hours of sleep and consistently the next day, I would see a three to four pound weight gain on the scale consistently. And finally, the coach I was working with said, are you noticing anything? Like you're like, what are, you know, you're, you're taking your rest days, you know, on days where you're already getting enough sleep. Like, let's swap this out and let's make sleep a priority. Like, let's make sure you're getting as much as you can, you know, on the nights where you work late. Like, let's see what happens. And it was a game changer for me. And it's actually something now working as a coach that, you know, I, I track with most of my clients, like how much sleep are you getting? Because one of them almost immediately realized that on the nights that he was not getting good sleep were the weeks that he was having bad weigh-ins, you know, like it's, yeah. there's a direct correlation between that. And, and then you, the other factor that you brought up was stress and people don't want to hear this, but you, to manage your health from a, you know, not just from a weight loss perspective, but just from a holistic overall perspective, like you have to work on your stress. And that comes down to, you know, not just working on, you know, what you can control and what you can't control and all of that, but really looking big picture at how you're managing your life and your time to minimize that stress. Because the word itself means that you're putting your body into this place of trauma, you know, like your stress is Sometimes stress is a healthy thing, you know, when it's kind of figuring out kind of what you can handle. But when you're keeping yourself in that constant state of stress, like you're just doing things to your body that you're not even realizing that then have these corollary effects in other areas. And it's like, well, why is my weight stalling? You know, I'm, I'm tracking everything. I'm, I'm handling my, my plate really well. But there's these other things that you're just not taking into account. Yeah, you know, it's. I've tried, and I'm sure you have as well with your journey, but I've tried a bunch of different dietary approaches, workout approaches, things that were targeted to lose weight. I didn't start seeing results until I stopped focusing on losing weight and I focused on healing. And when I focused on healing my brain, other things started to heal and the weight followed as a side effect. And I didn't have to focus on, on that. And healing, one of the biggest things in, in the world for healing is getting proper sleep. Your body repairs itself when it sleeps. Your brain repairs itself and, and processes and dumps information like a computer does. It, it, it cleans things out. So 
when you're fueling it properly, the brain properly, and then when you're sleeping and allowing the brain to rest and, and process properly, it heals. Your body does the same thing. You're, you're, when you tear your muscles down through working out and then you sleep, your muscles have now that time to rebuild and get more structure and heal things together. And when you don't sleep, it, it relates to stress because your cortisol levels skyrocket. You, you become, you know, and so s stress seems to be the master control of everything. And you need a proper amount of stress. Like you, not stress isn't all bad, but you cannot be in a constant state of stress. One of the most interesting things that I found recently when I hit a stall was one of the things that I cut out for a week that actually made me drop weight was coffee. And, and coffee we often associate as a, a weight loss uh, tool because it ups your metabolism. People think it actually doesn't work that way. It actually blocks the receptors that tell you you're tired. So it makes you feel like you have energy, but it's actually blocking your tired receptors. So, um, but I cut out coffee for a while. One of the things that if your adrenals are all jacked because you're constantly in a fight or flight system uh, mode, if you drink, if you have a lot of caffeine in your system or a lot of stimulants in your system, it can create a, a state of stress internally. And when I cut the coffee out for a week, my body was able to rest and reset. And I saw a fat loss drop right afterwards. And so, and I'm, I'm discovering this stuff as I go. And, and I talked to Ivor Cummins recently. And one of the things that I think we're seeing so many citizen scientists there coming from the engineering world, like Ivor, like uh, uh, Dave Feldman, is they have this mind where they look at whole processes. They, they don't look at one thing. They want to look at all these different mechanisms that all work together in, in they are constantly changing their minds because they take a scientific approach. When they get new information, it helps them build a new machine, you know, or a better machine. So they're constantly changing. And I think if you're trying to deal with your health, you, you need to have that engineering mindset in a lot of ways. And it's something that I'm struggling with and I'm trying to do, but I, to be able to explore, to be able to understand, to be able to accept when dogma is not working and you're going to have to find something that works for you that may not be in the conventional wisdom or zeitgeist to be able to look outside that box and adapt things is, is where you're going to, to, be able to find ways to heal your body, to, to look at things that work for you. And also to, um, when you're addressing, using the engineering process to address systems inside your body that aren't working right, I think your body weight's gonna go with it if mm. you're focused on these other areas. I, I think that's a, a fantastic, you know, perspective and, and really speaks to kind of the evolution of this, this journey that you've been on and that you you've taken your body through, you know, you've, you've been through, you know, in many ways, man, what is next for you? You know, you've got all these things going on. Like what are, what are the next things that are, that are coming down the pipeline for you, Yogi? 
Well, we're working on getting things settled here as much as we can. Um, some things uh, that we have, we I have to say we have plans, but I can't exactly say what they are because we have noticed that lately, if you announce something that you have planned, there's a bunch of other people that will jump on and create like a cheaper version, quicker version that's not as well thought out. So we have to kind of keep some things under wrap. On a personal level, I'm in this beautiful state now that um, has all this wonderful forestry around me and I love to hike and I love to backpack and I love to be in outdoors. And that we go back to stress, that that is a very big stress relieving thing. So I am looking forward to things settling down and getting out on some of these incredible trails out here, like the right over here in Vermont is the Vermont Long Trail, uh, which takes 19 days. And it's what inspired the Appalachia Trail. So my goal is as things settle down and I can start blocking in some more time is to start with maybe some overnight trips and start getting myself backpacking ready. And also to be able to get to the point where um, I'm generating enough income to start, you know, changing out some gear, getting things that fit. Uh, Cause now a lot of my gear that I had for back backpacking no longer fits me, um, which is unusual for me, but that is, that's a personal goal that I want to get out there and start hiking more and backpacking more and getting myself uh, mentally and physically fit enough to attack and, and and tackle things like the Appalachia Trail and uh, to uh, get onto the uh, um, Pacific Crest Trail if I can, or the American Discovery Trail. And I just found out they opened one of the world's longest trails in Canada. And they they've been working on it for several years. So these are things that I would love to get back into and get going. I've, I've been working out rucking, which was inspired by Corey Morjowski. Um, so I've been walking with weighted packs and I got to start training my 20 pound attack gerbil, uh, Jojo to start carrying a pack so she can go with me and, uh, and, uh, be able to camp with me outside and, and, uh, be my buddy out there as well. So that's that's a personal goal. The other goal is to get all the business stuff that we are working on set up to the point where we can have the free time to do all the stuff that we want to do, you know. So we're hoping that more and more people will like what we're doing and decide to support us on our Patreon. Um, we have uh, patreon.com slash Carrie Brown for all the cooking stuff. We have patreon.com slash the Fatty Joe Show for all the podcast things. And we also have a level that you can support both of us through there. So we're hoping that so that we don't have to deal with as much of the sales cycle type things. And we can just focus on developing content for everybody that people see value in what we do and want to support. Um, and the other major thing is, is I gotta, I want to get through my schooling. I want things to settle down to the point where I can get in and study and actually get certified um, to be a coach for health and, you know, through the primal health program, through the nutritional therapy program or whatever else 
programs that light my fire. So I want to get that studying done, get the, the credentials done and, and be certified so that people know that when I've done my research, that I've really done my research and I've, I'm, I'm bringing to the table um, the, the knowledge and skills that are developed over time so that it's not just some guy that, you know, did, you know, Dr. Google and is repeating what he's heard, what he heard. Understood, man. That's a, uh, that sounds fantastic. And, and Yogi, I want to thank you, like your journey, like, uh, I, I have no doubt you're going to accomplish all of those things. Like you have, have made some major changes. You know, you're down over 330 pounds. Like you've, you've helped a lot of the conditions that were going on in your body by making these, these thoughtful, mindful changes, uh, to how you approach your, your health and what you put into your body and what you do with your body. I, I just think, that that's going to be something a lot of people are going to be able to learn from. And I'm excited, you know, for people out there listening, if they're looking for any of that, you know, the content you've been talking about, recipes, all of those things, uh, we're going to have all of, of Yogi's contact information in the show notes today. So you'll be able to track all of those things down, including that new podcast, which is off to a great start. So, you know, I'm just excited to see where that goes, you know, for you, man. Like that's, and it, 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 I think it, it's one of those things for me that I, I just think is, is, you know, just neat, the connection, you know, that you and Carrie have built, you know, kind of almost, there, there's this odd couple vibe there that just really is fantastic, but you fit together so well. So it's just really, there's really some kind of magic going on in, in all that you guys are doing. Yeah, I definitely think there's an odd couple vibe there too because they the um she definitely has a very different perspective on things a lot of things that i do and i have a very different perspective on a lot of things that she does but you know i think they're in a lot of ways especially the fact that she's been doing this a lot longer than i am so i i am i am the the padawan to her jedi so and i just have to keep that in in mind even with the podcast and everything else you know she's she's the leader of this group and um i'm trying to learn i'm trying to 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 get myself up to the level where she's at well i i i think you're on your way you're you're hiking that trail already man you're you're definitely you're you're on that path and Yogi, are there any uh, social handles that you wanted to mention for people to be able to track you down at that you didn't get a chance to share? Well, our master control is basically carriebrown.com. You mm -hmm. can find all of our, our links through there. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at the real Yogi Parker, or you can check out the um, at the real Carrie Brown. And that works on Instagram for, um, I, I'm never even really on Twitter, so I'm that's kind of a space that I don't really play, but on, um, on Facebook, we have the Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker Facebook page. You can check out, um, if you want to come and join the group, uh, we do have a free group that you can be a part of. And it's, it's all about cooking. We don't deal with politics. We don't deal with anything else. It's about keto cooking. And that is the keto kitchen with Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker Facebook group. And you can request to join in there if you'd like. Uh, if you want to become a patron, we have a couple of groups there too that you'll find out when when you jump on the Patreon thing and become a supporter. Um, but those are the main areas that you can find us 
and you can message us through the website if you also want to get in contact with us or if you join the group and or go to the facebook page you can tag us and we will we try to respond to anything that we get tagged into awesome now yogi i end every episode with five questions i call the fat guy five are you ready for your run through them let's do it okay so question number one yogi living or dead tell us who is your favorite fat guy I, I got to say, as a kid, I always loved, I got two, if that's okay. Sure. I loved, I loved Haas from Bonanza because mm. I wanted to grow up and be big like Haas because nobody picked on Haas. And Dom DeLuise cracked me up when I was mm. a kid. I, I, like, I like both of those answers, and they're, they're not the usual ones that I get, so I always appreciate that. I always appreciate that. Question number two, Yogi, tell us what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? To be more understanding of other people's situations, um, that they may be struggling with something that uh, you don't see. So don't be judgmental off of what your first impression is. Get to understand. I was a fat guy and most people thought I was lazy and not, you know, overeat, which I did overeat, but you know, there's a lot of things that people were very surprised that I did as a fat guy, but they judged me by my appearance. I think that makes a lot of sense, man. Question number three, what is one thing that someone out there listening who wants to get a journey towards, you know, bettering their health started today? What is one thing that they can do right now? The first thing is, I would say is, move into whole real foods you you will see a massive change address your diet and address your stress and your sleep that but address your diet because oftentimes your diet uh will help you address your your stress and your sleep so get into whole real nutrient dense foods and try to uh, get away from the processed junk there you go. I like it, man. Question number four, Yogi. Tell us what is one thing about yourself that you love? Um, I, I like the fact that uh, I love the fact that um, I'm able to now learn a lot more things than I used to be able to learn. I'm a better student now. There we go. And the last question, Yogi, I feel like you started to answer this one already, but we're going to look for one specific answer this time. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? To get out, to, to get the work situation stabilized to the point where it will allow Carrie and I to get out and do more enjoyable things for ourselves. There you go, man. There you go. Well, Yogi, I want to say a big thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your willingness to take us through this journey that you've been on and also share your your kind of, I, I think you have a really unique perspective on how to approach, a, you know, a, a health and fitness journey in general. So I just really want to say a big thank you, man. Thank you, boss. And to everyone else out there, uh, as we mentioned, you'll be able to find all of Yogi's information in the show notes. If you want to connect with me, you can do so by tracking me down on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto, on Twitter at gourmet goes keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And if you are interested in working with me 
as a holistic keto nutrition coach. You can, of course, find me at theketoroad.com slash coach-mike. All that information is down there in the show notes. My friends, we have journeyed together once again, and you know what that means. It's time for you to go out there and do something today to amaze yourselves because you are truly the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us again here on the Fat Guy Forum.